So was Sandra Bullock just the biggest America's sweetheart of the 90s? I would like to think so. Far more than that Julia Roberts. I don't know. It might have been like an intense competition between the two. I find Sandra Bullock more likable in every single way. I like Julia Roberts too, but Sandra Bullock, I just, I don't know if I've ever seen her in a role I didn't like. She's always been just, she she always kind of reminds me of my mother just a little bit. I'm pretty sure that's by association since you watched all of her rom-coms with your mother who liked them so much. (laughs) It's like saying that, you know, my father reminds me of a dinosaur because I watched all the Jurassic Park movies with him. Are you calling your father old? No. Are you sure about that? I'm sure I didn't intend that comparison when I started out with this analogy. But here we are. Don't, don't do that to me. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. It'd be my mother because all the dinosaurs are female. Life uh, finds a way. And you have to leave that uh, in. I don't think I can do that. I think my editing sensibilities will allow me to leave that uh, in. It's for the Goldblum. Goldblum isn't in this movie. He can't invade everything just by sheer power of will. It is the Goldblum. Mm. <laughs> I know everyone's got a real big heart on for Jeff Goldblum right now. Give us five years. He'll metamorphosize back into his chrysalis for future generations. We'll have to find some other old heartthrob to cuddle up with. Why are you hating on the Goldblum? I'm not hating on the Goldblum. I just think there's something mildly concerning about women carrying bags with his shirtless torso on them. You know, no one does that with Dr. Grant, who arguably knows more. Because Dr. Grant was the uh, actual dinosaur expert. Dr. Ian Malcolm was the chaos expert, chaos theory. And he was also the only one who got to be shirtless in that movie, so... (laughs) You can't convince me that that music is not in the movie. I hear Bow. it every time. We Just, have we are so far we gone. Are, I, we we started talking about Sandy Bullock, and now we're talking about Jeff Goldblum's shirtless body. I was trying to make sure that we didn't go down a midnight margarita path because we were going to fall asleep, and yet we are just as incoherent as if we had been slamming tequila. We have somehow stumbled down this path, with or without the midnight margarita's help. We never need the midnight margarita's help to be incomprehensible. (laughs) And yet, here we are. Oh my gosh, if you say, yet, here we are one more time, we'll never be able to start the podcast, Aaron. Every time I give you an opening, you say, and yet, here we are. Don't you think you you can't do it now? Oh, sweet Bippy, we're never going to get out of here. We're just going to be stuck in the intro forever. She's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And and we're we're married married to to the the idea. idea. Where tonight's show is brought to you by Audible. You have to do it in a low radio voice if it's tonight's show. Well, hey there, ladies. Tonight's show is brought to and you by... Gentlemen. And gentlemen. And gentlemen. We don't discriminate here. Tonight's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Why do I have a southern accent? I don't know, but you sound like Foghorn Leghorn trying to host a radio show. I wouldn't say Foghorn Leghorn. I would. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. 
Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. Why don't you do your plug? Hi there, you sexy shirtless Ian Malcolms. You can follow us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. Stop interrupting me with your water jug. Was not on purpose. Is that a mint julep over there you clinking around? Well, I do have the vapors. You can send Twitter to hell and email us at MarriedToTheIdeaReviews at gmail.com. We appreciate your comments and reviews on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you would like a very special sticker, since it is the very special month of Halloween, while you have your web browser open to audibletrial.com, open up another one, marriagetheidea.weebly.com forward slash just for you to pick up your free sticker. But now, let's gather our covens close. Let's slash our hands and make some blood bonds. Let's talk about some practical magic. Man, I remember watching this movie with my mother when I was a kid and not understanding half of it because I think I was a little too young, but the movie didn't not entertain me as a kid. I, I enjoyed some of the the visuals and some of the, the jokes that I got, you know, that, you know, were okay for a kid, but, you know, I definitely understood more as an adult, a lot more. Even then, I still had to explain to you one of the jokes. Because I, I don't think I heard it. Some of the sound editing on this movie was a little uh, 90s-ish. <laughs> if you say so, it didn't really feel all too nostalgic to me, honestly. I think it's because time is a loop, but more so that there are lots of fashion choices and design choices that look really modern for today because they looked weird back then. Like the design of Sandra Bullock's business, the apothecary. <laughs> it looks like something straight out of New York with all the clean white lines and the glass bottles on shelves. It's very chic, very hip. Damn, you, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, that is 100% something... Like I feel like we we walked into Savannah at one point and saw that kind of place at one point. The person who designed the interior of the aunt's house went on to become an interior designer for Hollywood Homes. That's what she does now, just doing set design for this movie. People are like, I love what you did in this movie. Can you come do that to my house too? So all of the plants everywhere, lots of light and windows, open concept, the wood, the natural grain... All of this crazy stuff, again, maybe wasn't as popular and was weird or witchy 30 years ago, but now it's oddly prescient. Which is chic now. Which is chic. It's nothing like the book. So I don't think that this is one of those cases where we can say one is better than the other. If you've ever read anything by Alice Hoffman, who wrote the novel that this movie is based on, you know that she writes very differently than a movie could ever be. It's very Virginia Woolfish, where things like the present tense and lots of character development with very little plot happens frequently. And I think that has to do with it being literature, and I use that in quotes, as opposed to genre fiction. It 
wouldn't be fair to say that these two products are anything like the other, but I will say that they did a good job at adapting the source material into a movie that audiences would enjoy. I mean, let's be honest, there's not much of a plot. There is a plot, but it's kind of like little things kind of happen and these characters deal with it. I'm very glad for that because I think that's how it adapts the book well. It's really about the relationship of these two sisters. That's really the big main focus. And then the other family members of this powerful Owens family. I would absolutely agree. Um, the general plot. General plot. If you haven't seen Practical Magic, two sisters are sent to live with their aunt after their parents died, and their aunts are witches. And they tell the girls, matter-of-factly, that all the Owens women are cursed and witches. And that kind of is where everything kind of deviates from the book. But in the movie, uh, one sister, played by Nicole Kidman, wants to escape this life and just go and fall in love as many times as he can all over. And the other sister, played by Sandra Bullock, is more hesitant and shy and afraid of losing something that she could care about. The plot... So far as to say is when Nicole Kimmon gets in trouble with a guy that she likes, they have to go out and deal with it, and it leads to murder and raising the dead and detectives from Arizona and covens of PTA moms and ring-swallowing toads and all sorts of magical shenanigans. I would say, you know, like, oh, let's worry about spoilers, but this movie is 20 years old. Uh, again, it's not really a spoiler movie. We think it's just, it's if it's a character study, you can't really spoil a character study. There, I mean, there There's are no some little plot points, but it's not like huge things. There's no twist. Yeah, there's not a twist. A little small twist, but nothing major by any means. But no, it's it's literally, it's actually the 20th anniversary of this movie. Yeah, I've been reading some fun articles with the director about it, with it being 20 years from now. Having just seen Venom, I think we're kind of tired with the whole Rotten Tomatoes aggregate scoring because while Rotten Tomatoes is like, oh, Venom sucks, 30%, IMDb, which is all people who see it, say, no, 7 out of 10. That was good. That was fine. Same thing with Practical Magic. It's even lower, about 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, and yet it has this crazy cult following in recent years and it's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination i actually kind of resent it being mislabeled as a romantic comedy is it really called a romantic comedy that's what it's classified as this is not a rom-com no and and i would say it's more i would say it's more of a character study more along the lines of do the right thing or forest gump or something like that where it's one of those it doesn't really have a genre that it fits into yeah rom-com you have a will they won't they that is the core focus of the story that isn't the core focus of this story at all it's definitely how these women deal with love in their lives but it's not a silly wacky oh she's clumsy and falls over everything oh he likes her no matter what she does sort of thing it's not really about that at all i mean there's a little bit of a will they won't they but it's not that's not the entire movie that's not and it's not what the entire movie is based on either the relationship between the sisters kind of like how frozen is about the two sisters this movie is about the two sisters 
that's an interesting comparison. <laughs> I wouldn't have gone that way. <laughs> but it's kind of interesting to see it that way. One sister is kind of shy and introverted, but very powerful. The other one is very bright and bubbly and has weird taste in men. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. Yep. It's a good comparison. Apt. Uh, I think it's really about the atmosphere. I'm glad we got to do this one for Halloween because they really lean into the curve of it. It's so sweet to see the aunts just walking around in town and everyone just giving them evil eyes and crossing their <laughs> hands over their hearts like, oh, it's those evil witches, back off. And when an outsider comes in just not knowing what to make of any of this small town who believe that witches are real. I almost want to see or I want to read the the book or see the movie from his perspective like i've seen those almost like castle episodes or those detective novels where they like detective james hill is uh, been on the force for 20 years and he's never had a case like this one <laughs> and he goes into a small town where they believe in witchcraft Ooh. and it's like i you know i mean my parents have listened to so many audiobooks thanks audible hashtag sponsored i think with a question mark so like you know i've heard something like the lower end audiobooks where they like it's just it's a simple setup it's, it's a murder mystery and like and like it's a detective who's trying to figure stuff out so i almost want to see this from his perspective i'm not saying it would have been better from his perspective by any means because um it was still really good i'm just saying it's like it would have been interesting to see from his perspective too well they expand on him in the movie he didn't get quite nearly so verbose uh look in the book now you you got your oh so crucial male perspective down babe what would we do without the man's perspective in this movie about witches well you know if a white man from suburbia can't speak then it's just not worthwhile this movie is really really great for bonds of sisterhood and you know people can mock on that like sisterhood of the trembling pants style or yaya -Ya sisterhood this one is a sisterhood and familial without resorting to tropes. I think the best scene that exemplifies that is when Nicole Kidman is literally possessed and Sandra Bullock uses her power as being at the top of the phone tree to get all of these PTA moms to come and help form a coven to get the spirit out of her. And on the phone tree, you see them all saying, she finally came out as a witch. You know, good for her. That's so uplifting. Yeah, come on, let's go. After she's spent her whole life with people making fun of her and her trying so hard to fit in and be normal in the end. It's like, no, let, let's go witching together and they all bring brooms and wear black and try to figure out what to do man i wish i could perform an exorcism on my ex-husband do you feel me ladies do you feel me ladies i felt her i felt all of that i loved me my midnight margaritas i loved the crazy again this is all expanded this doesn't exist in the book there are no midnight margaritas they don't get a coven of pta moms to come in and help it's really just the sisters. And even then, the aunts are never not really there for them while they're growing up. And so they're kind of on their own. Alice Hoffman really likes to isolate her characters. She really likes to make them have to go through a lot of crap. So I get that they did a good thing in expanding the 
familial bond in the movie instead of it being just the two of them. And see, the thing is, is as a um, a guy who grew up very close to his mother, you know, I, I have a very healthy and strong relationship with my mother. I watched many a rom-com. I watched many a sappy love movie, you know, watching all this. When I watch these kind of movies, I don't instantly think, oh, God, touchy-feely stuff. But I, I can see those tropes. Like, they're going to eat ice cream and talk about how bad at sex men are. Or they're going to um, drink margaritas and talk about how bad at sex men are. Or... <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, uh, kind of Can it of be that running... men have really frail egos and can't stand the thought of women talking about them? Or that men don't know how to write for women. Now, that's a very interesting point. This movie was directed by a dude. Yeah, and uh, and I don't really see that they did as bad of a job with this one. But this, I feel it kind of kicked off that, you know, we're sisters and we're strong kind of movie trope. When it's a trope, it had to start somewhere. So like the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, Yeah Yeah Sisterhood... You know, all those movies, they had to start somewhere. I think this movie may have started it, but I don't think they did it on purpose. A lot of times, those things, they don't do it on purpose. No, Hollywood sees a trend and latches. Since the Traveling Pants didn't come out until 2004, I think, so that was a while down the road. I mean, this was 98, so... Okay, I guess that's true, too. Gosh, I forget about that late 90s. Yeah, yeah, early millennium, late 90s, that weird era. Again, it doesn't feel it, I think, because fashion has come around again, too, and everything looks like it would normally. This isn't timeless, and it's not so steeped in nostalgia or in the time that it becomes nostalgic, like Hocus Pocus, where it's like so steeped in that time. It's a time capsule, Hocus Pocus is. Exactly. Like, you open it up and you're like, yeah, this is exactly that time. Oh, here's where I've been hiding my pogs. Good. This movie isn't that, but it's it's kind of enough of both that, like, it it does not feel dated. I don't think so. Yeah. The only point where it may become dated is that she writes letters and that they use a phone. That's the only kind of quote-unquote technology that they use. Aaron, why don't we tell the lovely people, if they are interested in seeing the differences between book and movie, how could they possibly... Oh, we're, we're going for that. Okay. <laughs> I don't lead with those pointed questions very often, but when I do, it's for an Audible ad. <laughs> I get hashtag sponsored with a question mark. Today's show is brought to you by... Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. Remember that it's not married number two, the idea. It's just married to T.O., the idea. And browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash married to the idea to get started today. And of course... You can actually find Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman, as narrated by Christina Moore. They also have the prequel to Practical Magic, The Rules of Magic, and I hear a lot of people who liked one also liked the other. Uh, There's other books by Alice Hoffman if you're interested. I liked uh, Blackbird House. It tells the story of these families throughout time that have lived in the Blackbird House. Uh, There's also The Ice Queen, which I think has my favorite 
visuals of any Alice Hoffman book, and I really do enjoy her visuals. There's a lot of people who are in this movie, and I don't know if they were big when they got in, but people like Evan Rachel Wood, who I did not recognize when I saw her name. She plays uh, Sandra Bullock's uh, daughter, uh, eldest daughter. You don't you don't recognize it when I, I looked for her because I saw her name like ooh, and you don't recognize it. I will say the guy who plays the the bad guy who beats up Nicole Kidman and uh, is dead, then not dead, then dead again. <laughs> he reminds me of Colin Farrell from un- for some inexplicable reason. He's done other things, but nothing that like has really stood out to me. So, But there are a couple pieces of trivia that I just I have to bring up. One is uh, an unexpected problem that director Griffin Dunn encountered was the number of takes that both actresses needed to nail each scene. Sandra Bullock would generally do it in two or three takes, but Nicole Kidman had just spent the last 18 months working with Stanley Kubrick on Eyes Wide Shut and had gotten into the habit of doing 70 or 80. Oh, that's a big difference. We know Kubrick was a perfectionist, so that makes 100% sense. And that movie, sometimes you would have to do that certain scene so many damn times, so... Uh, the director, Griffin Dunn, actually revealed something during the anniversary about Practical Magic. Um, <laughs> apparently, while he was working on it, he was really more about the strong women of the movie. That's what really drew him to the project, not the witchy stuff. So for the witchy stuff, he actually had a witch consultant. He invited her to come to Los Angeles, and she watched the rehearsals, and she was consulting on all the things magical. Uh, and apparently things got ugly about how much money she wanted and how much take she wanted from it. I thought she would only need, you know, like uh, some herbs and uh, I have newt. Apparently she wanted to make a practical magic cookbook and an additional $250,000. And when they would not acquiesce, she called them saying she was going to put a curse on this movie and then starts talking in tongues. And they were so terrified of her, they just gave her whatever she wanted to make her go away. And he often wonders if her curse is what made the movie seem like a flop. (laughs) That's so strange. And that's one thing. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but there was a lot of practical effects in this for this movie. Practical magic. Which I appreciate. Yeah, we talk about the idea of, let's talk about the title. With practical magic, the witches are not... They're not Gandalf. They're not making fireworks or dismissing Balrogs back to hell. They are really using things from the garden, things that have practical use in today's life. That you shall not weed. <laughs> and yes, I slammed the table, but it's only for it was for effect. Just the one. So for this one, little practical things are like blowing at a candle to make the flame appear or the coffee cup stirring itself when her hand's not on it. All these little practical things that you probably would use if you were a witch instead of big grandiose things. Things to make your everyday life easier. Yeah, and even the originator of the family, the first Owens woman who was about to be hanged, saves herself with a bit of practical magic just by jumping off before they can hang her and the, and the rope breaking. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but I think what protects the girls in the movie 
I think is a part of the rope of that particular hangman's rope. Yeah. yeah, I thought so too. That made sense to me. I'm so glad they expanded on the aunts. I was really worried that from the book they just aren't very present, and they are really really fun. They are so. I, I'm trying to think of another word for practical, and I'm failing again miserably. Whimsical. Nieces, whimsical. When their nieces mess up so bad and won't tell them what's going on, they're like, fine, we're leaving. Fix your own damn mess. <laughs> uh, it's just so, it's heartwarming. We talked about this with Hilda, too. There really is a beautiful bond of sisterhood. Sandra Bullock gets on Nicole Kidman for being with a guy who is an ass, but she also knows that she has faults of her own too and in the end they really just want each other to be safe and happy and be together and they know where each other is and if they're in trouble no matter what and i think that's really sweet and it's very real it doesn't feel fake and saccharine like i felt like nicole kidman and sandra bullock could actually have been sisters and the two actresses who played the aunts, stalker channing and diane weiss were adorable and that's actually someone i want to add to my actresses i do like you know i need a whiteboard so i can write him down it's a lot short of a list but stalker channing i you know i liked her in greece uh where the heart is with natalie portman um but i like stalker channing um but yeah the, the two of them stalker channing's a little bit more not eccentric but a little bit more in your face eccentric and diane weiss is a little bit more he's kind of hello how are you how oh that's such a beautiful hat but neither of them are like stronger than the other it's just you know it's just like one's a little bit more withdrawn and the other one's a little bit more in your face you know i think there's some movies from that time period that didn't do well critically then but have now become classics i think practical magic is one of them but the question for today is, do we feel like this movie would have done better had it been released today as opposed to 30 years ago? 20. 20. God, I don't know how old I am. It's only It was only 98. Good, good, good. Okay. Yeah. So Sandra Bullock's not immortal. Good, good. But it feels we... like it sometimes. So something I wanted to bring up and why I think it could have done better is... Some of the cinematography in this movie was astounding. There's a kind of a square spiral staircase in this house that they built. Uh, that they actually they built this house for this movie. It was not pre-existing. They actually built it for this movie, but they built this like kind of square spiral staircase. And at one point for this midnight margarita scene that they do, the ants are like starting to mix up the margaritas and they they do this fun little thing like where you think they're making a potion or something like that and it's really just margaritas. And then the can and then it cuts to the camera kind of going up the stairs a little bit and then starts twisting as it's coming up the stairs. And it it almost feels like it's transporting you to another world. And in a way it kind of is. A similar shot happens when Sandra Bullock's running up to help Nicole Kidman, who's been possessed, and her daughters are running down the stairs. Exactly. They yeah, they reuse the shot, and the I don't know if you noticed, but they do the Dutch angle a couple times, but they do it to kind of. It's almost like when a photographer is trying to capture something in one corner and another corner, they're trying to show as much as possible without putting too much in the frame. The cinematographer, I don't know if it's more on them or on the director, but 
there, there were some really, really cool shots. Of course, you have your typical '90s shots, and your your more there. It's it, you were very mean to the first song. Oh my god, that is the most stereotypical girl power the '90s way you love song. Me? This kiss, yeah. It's the way you love me. It's a feeling like this. I'm like, I'm like, really? Does every 90s movie that has some sort of girl power in it need this damn song? Yeah, but also Sandra Bullock running down the street in a cowboy boot and tall-waisted jeans with a bunch of dogs following her. It's adorable. Why does that make me think of Gilmore Girls? Because of when she takes Rory to Chilton. Yes, yes, yes. And how how happy are you that I remembered that? I I think that Sandra Bullock stole Lauren Graham's career at some point. She could have been America's sweetheart. Well, Lauren, I would say Lauren Graham's a bit of America's sweetheart too. I like Lauren Graham, even when Laura like Gilmore is not making the best decisions for herself. But there there are some great shots in this. When I felt like when they went a little bit more experimental, it really kind of it didn't put you on edge like sometimes like horror movies can do or like thrillers can do like uh alfred hitchcock was like the master at he would do those shots at like subtly or uh, not subtly subconsciously just like i don't like this and i don't know why do you know like with vertigo there were so many subtle spirals that it put you on edge and you and you didn't notice it yeah, they do a similar thing in John Carpenter's Halloween where you often, if you examine the frame, will see Michael lurking in the car just on the edge. And it gets you on edge because you're always searching the frame, even in random scenes, to see where he is. And it sets you on edge. See, stuff like that. Stuff like that. When 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 directors do stuff like that, it adds a layer to the movie. And like with this... I would say that while it doesn't have something like that, the cinematography tried. And I really, I got that. And the acting, I would say it was actually pretty good in this. Um, Nicole Kimmon uh, knocked it out of the park. Sandra Bullock knocked it out of the park. Love the aunts. The kids actually were pretty good too. So I would actually say the weakest performance was the, the douchebag guy. And even still, he wasn't that bad. He was supposed to be intimidating. He was supposed to be. Just... He was intimidating, and he absolutely was intimidating. It was like when he got to, when he came back as a spirit, it wasn't. Eh. But it was funny, and I even made that reference. There's one point when something happens, and from that point to another point, it's like this feels like a snippet from Charmed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the movie doesn't hold your hand. It expects you to infer and remember things that have been told to you and see if you can piece it together yourself. Uh, by the time we get to noticing that uh, the detective has one green eye and one blue eye, eagle-eyed viewers will have already noticed that he has other tendencies, um, even before little girls figure it out. It took you until then to be like, oh, wait, the star, his badge. I knew because I had... I had seen the book in the movie, so I knew those were coming. But it was cool to see something, you in real time I, see it. Something was kind of talking like, oh, he's going to be that guy. He's going to be that guy. You think but it's, you think it's her dead husband. You think because it's just an instantaneous run into each other's arms sort of thing. And you're like, oh, gosh, yeah, he did come to life. And then you're like, wait a minute. None of the things that she dreamed about were him. 
I think that's what makes it cool for a modern audience too. It's not so cut and dry. It's not I lost my husband, bring him back, and life will be perfect again. It more so posits the idea that it's okay to love again. In a good way, not in a the husband had to die for a true love to come, in that you can truly love someone with all your heart and then later after that person is gone you can love again it's acceptable love again you should love as many times as you can yeah i mean i've seen examples of that i've i've had you know family members lose their significant other after many years of happiness and after you know a mourning period they've tried to find you know another partner there's a difference from the book to the movie and I want to wonder your take on it because this happened with House of the Clock and its Walls too where there's a difference that made you wonder like why'd they do that before before you do that let's let's answer the question then we'll do that's part of it's part of that oh okay so I guess let me say this then um I think if they had made this movie earlier or later I think it would have been more successful I honestly I I like the movie I thought directing was good i thought acting was good there were some 90s things that they kind of shoehorned in not and i'm not even like the the sisterhood like like that's just fun like especially the stuff at the end like that's just kind of fun and it adds a layer to it but there's some there's some lingering shots that are very 90s that if they were able to have done better I think it would have been a stronger movie overall. But this is a solid B-plus movie at the minimum. You know, maybe cutting that out would be an A-minus, an A-movie type thing. So, (laughs) all right. So tell me the difference. In the book, the mother and father of the sisters die together. The explanation is they're, like, so deliriously happy that they don't notice that the bungalow where they're spending their second honeymoon has caught fire. That they were so in love they didn't notice their house was burning down around them. And in this one, it's the father dies because all men who love an Owens woman are cursed to die. And then she dies of a broken heart, which adds a level of complexity to the girls asking how could their mom just leave them. Didn't, didn't her grandma even care? So the question is, is it better or worse for that addition? Because I'm firmly in the, oh, Padme had two children, but lost the will to live because reasons sort of bullshit camp and i don't know if this makes it better but the uh, but the problem is is the other way is worse (laughs) they're they're so deliriously happy that they don't notice that the walls around them are literally burning yeah there's there's things you can get away with in a book they're patently stupid if you try to put them on screen and James's parents were just gobbled up by a giant Ronaldo in the sky. You know, it's one of those things that, I mean, neither are good. But because of the implications that it adds the layer of complexity, even to the girls themselves, you know, uh, Sally and uh, Jilly, as they grow up, you know, that their mother died of a broken heart, that it could happen to them too because that their mother was so deliriously happy with their father that because they she did not have him, even though she loved them, she still died of a broken heart. That I th- I still have to go with the 
the movie version. Okay. I, it's not the best version, and it's a little bit of a cop-out, but I like that one way, way better. They never explain how the father dies, do they? Well, he gets... In the, in the movie. He gets hit by a car either way. Not, not Sandra Bullock's husband, but Sandra Bullock's father. Oh. Yeah. No, just that he did die. Yeah, yeah. I guess it wasn't important. He <laughs> died of not needing to be in this movie. <laughs> I just... Fatal, fatal disease. Yeah. Claims so many parents every year. People, how long do you have to talk about this before like, it ends? Like Belle's mother. We, and need, we need to know where she came from, and we need to know that she died yep. <laughs> of the plague. Because that adds to the story somehow. You realize it's been almost a year since we've uh, reviewed that. Never forgive, never forget. And and now we're about to have a lot, and that looks... Almost as bad. Guys. So, guys. Back, back to the topic at hand. So, I've answered, what do you think? I think the movie was too ahead of its time. The design was too ahead. The idea of sisterhood and familial link and romance being part of, but not the end goal of our character's development. Throw a little magic in there. We forget how much the 90s were just chock full of that stuff. We had angels and demons and beasts and whatnot. And I think it just got oversaturated in that market. It didn't have a chance of survival. But now, today, with so many people hating certain representation and certain storylines for not being more inclusive or diverse, uh, do not get me wrong, this is all white women, but it is a cast of all women, and they do talk to each other about things that aren't dudes. So it is definitely, I'd say, an improvement. I'm trying. I'm trying to go through the uh, the um, the test and see, but the um, Bechtel I'm, test. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I mean, we hadn't even think we hadn't even thought about that. You think about it, and I'm gonna do the easy man's out and just Google it. Well, while you do that, I'll uh, I'll say this one little thing. I would actually put this a little bit into the category of like Hocus Pocus and Adam's Family and Casper. Not that it absolutely fits into that category, but kind of gothic slash ahead of its time. You know what I mean? It's not the same kind of... And gothic isn't the best way to look at it. I mean, Adam's family and, like, Casper absolutely are gothic. But that kind of where it just died or it, so it soaked in the supernatural or into that kind of world. And it just revels in it, wallows in it, even. I would put it possibly in that same kind of category. There's a lot of cool fairy tale elements with it, like a bower of thorny roses growing out of a man's grave, toads coughing up rings. There's a lot of magical imagery that they're playing around with and then destroying the roses because of how mad it's making you and sweeping out the dust, literally cleaning house to get rid of an evil spirit. So if you don't know what the Bechdel test is for movies, basically you have to have two named women in it who talk to each other about something besides a man. And those are the three rules. They work in conjunction with each other. And obviously, all of our cast pretty much is women. And they all... Except for two to three characters. Mm -hmm. And they all talk to each other all the time and about something besides a man. They talk a lot about witchcraft, about foods, and about 
how Sally has to get out and start taking care of her children again and to not abandon them and how magic will not be in this house and magic will be in this house and has positive and negative effects. I will say the movie is centered around a curse that dooms the men that love these women. So naturally the, they will talk about men and their relationship to them, but it's not a, oh, how hot do you think Johnny is? I know, but he would never go for me. It's it's not that kind of bull. It's actually more about the love of men than it is about the men themselves. It's not like just like, oh my God, he's so hot. I want him to fall in love with me. It's, I want to be happy and in love. And in fact, this movie has one of the most apt ways to describe the love that I've ever heard. Yeah, well, um, I, I didn't know if you'd remembered it. I, I think I remember most of it, but if you remember it, I'm going to go ahead and let you do it so you so I won't mess it up. Jillian likes it, it likens it to putting your arms out and spinning around really, really fast. And it makes you feel dizzy and makes your heart beat and you feel alive and it's amazing. But if you don't find something solid to fix your gaze on you'll get dizzy you'll lose your balance and you will fall and there's something very i I think you're right there's something apt about it something it's simple and it's kind of like the idea about falling in love versus choosing to be in love you know lust and attraction versus commitment and growth true that's very true because if you are spinning around and focused on the other person then you'll be able to make it no matter how they make you feel yeah or but if you're just in love for the sake of being in love then you're gonna fall down it's got its tear-jerker moments it's got its hard moments um tough moments i know there's a couple times i kind of had it like steal myself if you will but it's i think overall it's a heartwarming movie you know, you have to go through the, the roller coaster to enjoy the end of it. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think this movie would have done really well today. I think that's why so many people enjoy watching it. Uh, the director says he always gets comments from moms and daughters and sisters who've seen the movie. And it's like they're part of their Halloween ritual. So I would recommend getting a group of girls together and watching it on Halloween. You could watch it at any point of the year, but if you are a female and you want to do something with your girlfriends, like while you're painting pumpkins or while you're getting your costume together or something like that, this would be a good one to throw on if it's not Hocus Pocus. So if it's, And we will not be reviewing Hocus Pocus next week. Stop asking. It's not going to happen. Next week will be our final episode of Halloween 2018, and we are going out with a bang. A very big bang. Followed by a thud of the body hitting the floor, and then the sound of me dragging the body to bury beneath the floorboards. Guys, if you don't hear from me again, uh, you know where I'm at. You, l- <laughs> look in the crawl space. The beating of his hideous us, us everywhere in my editing bay, us they're in my head. Uh, <laughs> that is the sound nightmares it's also the sound of the grudge too (laughs) you know i do like a good horror monster sound design i have not seen the babadook but i do love like that's great it's great it puts me on edge i have no idea what that movie's about i love it (laughs) 
Yeah, it's, I remember when I watched the the first grudge. I mean, I didn't watch the second one, but when I watched the grudge with my friends, and we were all like, kind of just like Ooh, had that that you know uh, chaotic energy in our in our bodies afterwards. And I think I ended up crashing in my friend's house, and just like, uh, uh, and then uh, one of our uh, friends went to the bathroom, and all three of us just uh, the bathroom was like right next to where his room was, so we all just leaned out, we all just went to the. Uh, and she she just screamed from the bathroom stop that i seriously have to pee and i can't get my pants off yet <laughs> i would have already been peeing girl had the opposite problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah we are uh, going out with a bang next week uh i am both looking forward to it and not looking forward to it but, but you uh, know what you know what they can look forward to a free, trial, a free trial membership to audible.com. I was going to say stickers. Stickers. Uh, while you pull that up, if you want a free sticker, go to marriagetotheidea.weebly.com forward slash just for you. You can see some pictures of the stickers and you can pick out which one you want. Message us and we'll send you a real beaut. Uh. <laughs> That poor thought, it died of loneliness. <laughs> that was so long. Oh, I was wondering where that thought went. Gosh, the silence was echoing. I don't even know where I was. Tra- I, was I was reading something and then it just, yeah. <laughs> so remember, today's uh, show was brought to you by audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook if you sign up for a 30 day free. So, excuse me, 30-day trial membership. You just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and sign up. Pretty easy. Like we said, you can listen to Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman. I get the feeling we'll have a lot of books to recommend next week. You know what? That's a subtle that's probably the most subtle way with like to good hint others. right yeah it's a good hint that's a good hint so thanks i thought it myself and if you guys have suggestions for future episodes we'd love to hear them thank you guys so much for listening and as always she's elizabeth he's aaron and, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea, idea.